0: If you've got a Bible with you, would you come with me to Psalm 123, Psalm one, two, three. Psalm 123, I lift up my eyes to you, to you whose throne is in heaven. As the eyes of slaves looked to the hand of their master, as the eyes of a maid looked to the hand of her mistress. So our eyes look to the Lord, our God, till he shows us his mercy. Have mercy on us, O Lord, have mercy on us, for we have endured much contempt. We have endured much ridicule from the proud, much contempt from the arrogant. This morning, I'm not going to preach through this psalm. I'm not going to do the usual things and put it in context and see how it fits together and go through from one end of the psalm to the other. Instead, I want to preach an attitude that we need, an attitude that this psalm expresses. I want to preach something that I hope will be a very simple lesson because it's actually like the ABC to the Christian life. It's, it's basic And yet, although it's basic, we often lack this attitude. I include myself in that. And although this attitude should be one of the most clear characteristics of the church, I fear that it often isn't in the church widely. And I include Hollywell in that. So this morning, I want to first of all show you the attitude that we need And then secondly, give you some examples of when we need it and why none of us have moved beyond needing it. So first of all, the attitude we need, and it is in the last phrase in verse two, the last phrase in verse two. So our eyes look to the Lord, our God, till he shows us his mercy. My aim this morning, my preaching is all about persuading and encouraging you to have this attitude. My eyes look to the Lord, my God, until he shows me his mercy. It's very simple. Children, I hope you'll be listening. Uh, I hope you'll be able to understand this because you need this as well. We all need it. Um, At the heart of the Christian life is this attitude. Looking to God, depending on him. Needing him actively in our lives, being merciful to us. As I said, this is like ABC to the Christian life. But like the ABC, you don't move beyond needing it. You learn it first, don't you, ABC? But we all carry on using the ABC every time you read and write. And this, none of us have moved beyond. The thing I want to really get into us this morning is... To look to the Lord our God till he shows us his mercy is it's fundamental, it's foundational, it's basic to the Christian life. But there are ways that you and I have probably drifted away from a sense of just how vital it is. So let's examine more of what it means to look to the Lord our God till he shows us his mercy. I don't want to complicate it because it is really simple, but we are given a little more detail here in this psalm. First of all, it means looking up. Verse one, I lift my eyes to you, to you whose throne is in heaven. It means looking up and recognizing who God is. You can't begin to have this attitude, which is the beginning of the foundation of the Christian life. If you don't have some idea of who God is. If you don't look up and catch some sort of glimpse of God, look up. In other words, take in something of how he's far above us and he's on the throne. He's in control. That's one of the reasons why we started the service with Isaiah six. Because Isaiah 6 gives us this pattern, as I said, of how a person becomes a servant of God. And it started with Isaiah seeing that God was on the throne. And Isaiah feeling how small he was and how sinful he was and how great God is. Seeing that he rules. We've got to start by looking up and having some idea of God. And then we've got to look up like a servant. Verse 2. Verse two, as the eyes of a, of slaves look to the hand of their master, as the eyes of a maid looks to the look to the hand of her mistress. Now, our Bible is right to translate this word slave, but it does give us a bit of a problem because we've all probably seen TV depictions of slaves in the American cotton plantations. And we think of immense cruelty and the lash of the whip. And being worked to death and being considered subhuman and treated like dirt. And there's nothing of that in this psalm. That's not denying that slavery was a terrible thing and people got treated like that, but it's not saying that here. It might help you to think instead of Downton Abbey, if you ever watch such nonsense and a lady's mate who's treated well as she prepares her ladies clothes and her hair and runs the bath and I don't know what else they do but you get the idea but however well treated she may be and however much better her condition might be than the slave on the American cotton plantation and however friendly the mistress might be she's still the mistress and the maid is still the maid And the maid is still totally dependent on her mistress and the mistress is still very much in charge, has the authority over her. If you read accounts of slavery, like Uncle Tom's cabin, I know that scene is really not on now, but it's an interesting good book about how slaves were treated. And you find sometimes a slave had a good master. And life went well. But even for that slave, there was this danger. Life was so fragile because the good master could die or the good master could go bankrupt. And sometimes even a a good master sold on the slave. and He ended up in the hands of someone who, oh, well, life became unbearable under he's under someone cruel again. In other words, his life totally depended on the goodwill of the master. And that's what verse two is getting at. It's not saying God is some cruel slave master. It's saying we totally depend on his goodwill. We totally depend on him. He has complete authority over us. And what happens to us is in his hand. We look up. We look up like a slave to a master And so we look up to him for his mercy. See the last word in verse two. This is the crucial word, mercy. Now, you might know that this psalm was originally written in Hebrew. And the Hebrew word here, mercy, is the name of six people at Hollywell. So that may tell you what the word is, because as far as I'm aware, there's only one name that six people at Hollywell have. And it's the name Hannah. Now, don't spend your time now trying to work out who the six Hannah's are, okay? because there's something better here. And it's this Hannah means favour. It means grace. Yet it is right that it's translated mercy here, because probably the fullest translation of this would be show us your favour in our pitiable state. Mercy means to pity someone. To have mercy on them is to pity them. And it's show us favour in our pitiable state. The basic attitude of a Christian is not, God, you ought to do this. God, I deserve this. Marching up to God, feeling pleased with ourselves or confident in ourselves, is the opposite of the Christian attitude. It's I need pity. I'm a beggar. I'm a beggar coming to you for the favour you're not under obligation to give, but I need it and I'm asking for it. I'm looking up like a slave for mercy and expecting God to take action, to take action. The end of verse two, till he shows us his mercy. God is merciful. It's in his character to be merciful. But this is a prayer. I want to experience your mercy. I need you to intervene in my life and to take action for me or better for us. That is merciful. It's asking for God to intervene. Back in the 1700s, there were people around called deists, deists. Now, I'm going to give you an oversimplification of deus, but it's still basically right. They basically believe God was like a watchmaker, watchmaker who makes a watch, winds it up and leaves it to tick on. They believe that God as creator was like that. Now, if you make a watch, if it's any good, when you've wound it up, do you have to keep going back to check it every hour? Do you have to every few minutes move the hand on? Do You have to do it for it. No, You wind it up and on it goes. It does it itself. But you started it. And day thought. Well, there must be a creator. It's obvious there's a creator, but he's not really involved now. No, no, he's he's not around now. We can't really know him. And uh, he must be so immensely distant from us. He's like someone who wound up the watch and left it to tick on. He started the world and he's set in place the laws of physics, but he's left it to tick on. Now, I suspect there is a lot of deism in the church now. We believe Jesus came and died and rose again, but that's all 2000 years ago. And we make it sound like Christianity is just about believing in that past event and working out from that the principles for how we should live now. Now, Christianity is that. That is vitally important. Believing in that past event and working out from that the principles for how we should live now. But Christianity is much more. It's depending on God who is actively involved today. It's saying, God, I need you to work in my life now. I need not just to believe you did in the past, but I need you now. It's saying, I need not just to understand what you have done. I need to experience what you will do. I need you to have mercy and intervene in my life. I cannot manage without you. Our eyes look to the Lord, our God, till he shows us his mercy. But can we do that with confidence? Can we do it with confidence? I referred to Uncle Tom's cabin and the slaves there in in America. And there's a slave and he's totally dependent on his master and his master might. He might treat you well and he might feed you well and he might be reasonable about your work. Or he might beat you to within an inch of your life. And you couldn't know which he will do. Now, is it like that with God? We ask him, we look to him, we plead with him, but we haven't got a clue how he'll respond. Well, the clue is in verse two. And in a simple, short phrase, the Lord, our God. So our eyes look to the Lord, our God, till he shows us his mercy. That phrase, both the name, the Lord. And it isn't just a title like we have a house of Lords. This represents where God's name was written in the Hebrew Bible, the Lord. And it was the name of the God who entered into covenant. And that phrase, our God, they, that whole phrase speaks of covenant. Covenant was this binding agreement God made with the nation of Israel. He bound himself to them in a solemn agreement. I will be your God and you will be my people. And that meant any Israelite could look to God for mercy and expect he would have mercy. Because they were part of a nation that was in an agreement with God. God had made a promise. And so if you're an Israelite, yes, you could look with confidence. Whoever wrote Psalm 123 was looking to God with confidence because God had made this agreement, this covenant. Now we're not, most, Viv isn't here today. Most of, I, I suspect all of us aren't Israelites. Israelites. Do we have any part in an agreement with God? Well, we can have the same confidence, not through being in a nation, Israel, but through being in a person, Jesus. Because Jesus said his death sealed a new covenant, a covenant that everyone who's trusting in the Lord Jesus has a part in and belongs to. A binding agreement that God will be their God and they will be his people. In fact, when Jesus came, it was put even more warmly than I will be your God. It was I will be your father. And you will be my child. And so we look to God for Hannah. Remember that word? Favor, grace, mercy. Like a child looks to the hand, not just like a slave looks to the hand of a master, but like a child looks to the hand of a father. Expecting confident knowing the one we're looking to loves us and jesus is the reason for that that's the updated that's the new testament version of so our eyes look to the lord our god till he shows us his mercy now i hope that was simple for you because it's meant to be it's not meant to be complicated it's the abc of the christian life just look to god for mercy But we need to keep being brought back to that because we haven't moved beyond needing his mercy. But we tend to drift off from realising how much we need God's mercy. So I secondly want to give examples of when we need this, when this attitude must come into play. So here are some examples. And the first is starting the Christian life. We start the Christian life by our eyes look to the Lord, our God, till he shows us his mercy. Now, I hope you won't mind me trying to show you how by telling you my own experience of this. So when I was in my mid-teens, I think I was about 16 or 17, can't remember exactly. That was a long time ago. The preaching I was hearing at church started to get to me. And I started to realise I was a sinner and that this mattered and I needed forgiveness and that this was essential. This was essential because there's such a thing as God's judgment, but also because I was wasting my life living far from God. And so I started to pray about this and I started to try to get the right words in prayer. And I even brought those bought those little booklets that have sinners prayers in them that I could get the right prayer and that will persuade God. But I just didn't get anywhere. I just it just seemed to get stuck in my praying. And I felt like I had this problem. I need faith if I'm going to pray properly. But my faith is just so weak and rubbish. I got stuck until I just cried out to God. I need you to have mercy. I just need you to have mercy. I don't even know if I used those words. The words didn't matter. It was more just that flinging myself on God for mercy. Then I began to wonder if I was a Christian. Had God had mercy on me? Had he heard that prayer? I didn't know. Until it came to, the very weekend, I went off to university and I went to hear a Christian speak, not for very good reasons. He was a Christian politician and I was interested in his politics. And uh, to my horror, at the end of the meeting, someone sort of dragged me up the front to speak to him and I shy and nervous there. And he said to me, are you a Christian? I said, I don't know. I'm not sure. He said, do you want to know? Do you want to be sure? I thought, what a stupid question. There's nothing I want more. And he told me the gospel there was nothing new in what he told me but it made me see look at what Jesus has done on the cross look at his work which is complete and finished and absolutely what you need And it made me see I could be confident in God's mercy and I went off to university confident God had had mercy that I'm a child of God yes I am is there anyone here not a Christian? Anyone here not sure if you are? Maybe you're wondering what you should do. Maybe you're wondering what the words are you should say. How do you go about becoming a Christian? Well, it's simple, really. You look to God for mercy and you can be confident he will give mercy because Jesus died for sinners. Jesus proves God's mercy. And he offers it to you. But it's not just the start of the Christian life. Let's move on now from the start of the Christian life. Move on to facing difficulties in life. A uh, member of my family was putting in some new patio doors, but not getting on very well. Got stuck. There seemed to be something wrong with these patio doors. They weren't working. They weren't going in properly. Couldn't figure out what was wrong. Eventually realized he he'd got them in upside down. Or or the wrong way round somehow. And eventually he said, oh, well, we'd better look at the instructions. Yeah, that sort of last resort, look at the instructions. Well, it shouldn't be last resort, should it? It would be sensible for that to be the first step, look at the instructions. To admit first, I could do with some help here. Instead of that's at the end when I can't figure out why they're wrong. Oh, I've got them upside down. So often aren't we like that in life? We hit a problem. And we scratch our heads and we try our ideas and we put in our effort, And then if all else fails, what do you do? If all else fails, well, at least we can pray. Asking God comes last often. Often that's last resort instead of first response. I reckon it's true even in fighting sin. So many Christian books I've read make it sound like it's all about us understanding the principles It's all about us taking in what Jesus has done in the past and then just thinking about it and applying that sensibly. Well, that that is a large part of it and that matters. But that sounds like God could be dead and we'd still manage it. Instead, the first step and the indispensable step that you never leave is the eyes of our, the Lord, our our eyes look to the Lord, our God till he shows us his mercy. We need you, God, because this sin is too big for us to fight. And you can look to him confidently because Jesus came to save his people from their sins. Because Jesus came so we would have God work all things together for our good. Here's another example where we still need to look to God for mercy. The state of the church. Let's go back to Psalm one, two, three and look at verse four. Uh, three and four, actually. Have mercy on us, O Lord, have mercy on us, for we have endured much contempt. We've endured much ridicule from the proud, much contempt from the arrogant. God's people then, whenever it was, were enduring contempt. They were ridiculed by the proud. Now, isn't that the church today? Isn't that God's people today, especially here in the UK? We're contemptuous. Contemptible, I mean, to the proud, aren't we? Think of it this way. I see that Princess Meghan, I don't know, is that what she's called still? I can't keep up. Is she still the Duchess of Sussex? Anyway, you know who I mean, the one married to Harry. She's made it onto the list of the world's most influential women. That's interesting. Now, what about if there there probably is a list of the world's most influential organisations? What would make it onto that? Twitter, Facebook, Google, um, the FBI, Communist Party of China. I'm sure you could think of plenty. The church. Would the church be on the list? No, don't be silly. What a pathetic looking organisation. The church is weak, out of date, dying out. Isn't that what people think? Contemptible. What do we do about that? Oh, well, let's look around and find a method that's worked with the successful churches. Let's see how they've got people into those well-known city churches and copy them. Let's get an Internet presence that makes us feel better about ourselves. I'm not saying it's wrong to have a website, by the way. But as I read the Christian newspapers and websites, I find it's all about that, us getting the right method. I don't find it to be about our eyes look to the Lord, our God, till he shows us his mercy. But we'll get nowhere until we do that. And we can do that with confidence. Because Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell and the proud people who look down on it will not prevail against it. Here's another example. Coronavirus. Coronavirus. Now, should we have a circuit breaker lockdown over half term? Does that make you groan? Should we follow the Great Barrington Declaration? If you don't know what that is, it's advocating we don't have any lockdowns and we loosen the restrictions. Are the three tiers the right approach? Three cheers for the three tiers, especially in Loughborough, where we're in the lowest tier. Well, I don't know which. And I reckon that none of us know, even though there are some people pretend to be experts. I don't think any of us are really, are we? But I do know this. No human can solve this problem. No human can manage. It. It's beyond us. But we need it solved. Isn't it doing so much damage? It's damage to health. There's damage to the church. There's damage to the social fabric. There's damage to education. There's damage to livelihoods. There's damage to our freedoms. It's just like this thing is wreaking damage. So why are you praying to God for mercy? Are you pleading with God? Have mercy on us and overcome this coronavirus. If not, why not? Don't you see how damaging it is? Or don't you think it's in God's hands? Or do you only think about God in your religious thoughts, not the everyday and stuff on the news thoughts? Jesus shows us that God commands the winds and the waves and takes the disease from the leper. We can look to God for mercy with confidence. Well, I've run out of time for the next example, Um, so I'll just state it. Well, I will do a bit more than state it for you, but I'm not going to go into it in detail. The state of the world. State of the world, does it trouble you? It ought to. That children in school are taught the most confusing contradictions of God's word that are actually self-contradictory. That we heard at the prayer meeting recently about tens of millions of people in Bangladesh who haven't got a clue that Jesus is the saviour they need. That need Compared with us and what we can do, that's like an HGV lorry compared with an ant trying to push it. In other words, this need should drive us to our knees and drive our eyes up to look to the Lord, our God, to show us his mercy. To say, Father, you sent Jesus to be the saviour of the world, not just the saviour of a few people in church. Father, Jesus tells us. That the harvest is massive. And the thing to do about it is to ask you, the Lord of the harvest, send workers for that harvest. Father, we're looking to you for this sort of mercy. Now, none of this, I hope you recognize, none of this has been a call to be passive. None of this has been saying, don't bother taking careful thoughts and doing as much as you can, as well as you can. No, we are to be active and we are to be careful about our action. But whatever we do, if God doesn't show us mercy, our action will be like King Commute telling the tide not to come in. Uh, there was a missionary who went to India. His name was William Carey. And he gave it such careful thought. And he was a very able man and he worked so hard. But he got Psalm 123 Right. Because he first said, expect great things from God, then attempt great things for God. And that order matters. And we can do that with confidence because God didn't just wind up this world and then leave it to tick on. God didn't even just send his son 2000 years ago and then just leave us to apply what he's done. God is active today. And God intervenes in this world today and we need his action today for us. We need his Hannah. We need him to show us his mercy. So do your eyes look to the Lord, our God, till he shows us his mercy. Let's pray.